0: Hey guys, so welcome back to Wild and Basics. So today we have a guest, our first guest of 2022. Her name is Jennifer Walsh. She's the founder of Beauty Bar. She has so much to offer in this topic as she has founded a bunch of businesses, uh, especially in beauty business, and she has gone through so much uh, with her company, and also she has learned so much along the way, and uh, I just think this is a very valuable episode from her experience as a business owner, but as also consultant working with brands nowadays. She has also made so much connections over the years, and she was talking about how important these are, so there's definitely a lot to take away from this. Episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So hi Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for asking me.
0: Yeah, of course. I feel like because we are in the same community and I have seen you around so many times with um, what was I, Laura, and I have seen it around with caravan so i was like no I, I really want to interview you and see what your journey is all about uh <laughs> yeah, so
1: yeah. I'm like, no i know you even though we haven't actually met i feel like i have met you before
0: oh my god that makes me so happy also because like i watch your stories all the time because i'm so connected with nature i love nature so we're gonna definitely talk about that later so but yeah it that made me so happy yeah
1: awesome i love that
0: so you are a founder, and you have founded Beauty Bar, uh, and you also started this on-air beauty expert TV series, right? Correct. Yeah. So uh, why did you decide to sell uh, Beauty Bar to Quincy? Is, is, am I pronouncing no, it right? No, you
1: pronouncing it correctly. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a really good question. It's a big question, and it's... Um, Uh, Not always the easiest one to answer. So I started Beauty Bar, the idea for it, back in like 1997. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was that time where there were, first of all, no one was really selling indie beauty brands. And the indie beauty brands I'm talking about are Stila, Bobby Brown, Trish McAvoy, um, Urban Decay. Like these were like the early early guns. Um, And of course, like Fresh and uh, L'Occitane, other brands. Um, But I started it and it was challenging the very first year because no one knew what I was and they didn't know what an apothecary was. So I was trying to teach people that it was a store that sold independent brands. And, and it it took, it took some time, took some time for traction for people to come in and want to spend $10 on a bar of soap versus, you know, a dollar 99 from dial or ivory or whatever we had at the drugstore at the time. So uh, I grew the business and had, a lot of employees in multiple locations but um, 2008 was tough with the the crash of the market and some stores are doing better than other stores so it was um, beauty bar became the very first omni-channel beauty brand so it was a chain of stores a website and a weekly tv platform so i had this this opportunity to have this tv segment be my my educational tool if you will and that drove people to my stores um, and it was really fun. So people come in and say, oh, I saw your segment on TV. Where are these products I just saw? So, uh, and again, no one was on TV yet talking about beauty. So that was also a whole other beast unto itself. And, uh, so when I sold it in 2009, 2010, the market was tough. Um, some stores were doing better than others, but also I, so this is the big, you started with the big question. <laughs> um, I found my CFO was, um, not paying bills and, oh wow. Uh, and not paying the bills and also not putting the money where it was supposed to be so i unearthed a lot of things that were financially hurting the business and i had to i actually literally had to sell the company um to save it and when quidsy can when Quincy called they just started diapers.com and were about to launch soap.com but they wanted a high end mix of beauty And I think at the time they knew they wanted to sell to Amazon. So when they bought me, then Amazon came and bought Quid C. I mean, uh, so Amazon came and bought diapers.com, soap.com, and beautybar.com. Ultimately, because Amazon wanted to get into the beauty industry and wanted to have high-end brands uh, on the platform. So, um, yeah, so selling it was really challenging.
0: No, of course.
1: It was a a tough time. It was like taking your baby and giving it away to someone. And they didn't really want the stores anymore. They didn't care about um, retail. They just wanted... The platform, the online platform, because I had the the platform, the online way before even Macy's, Neiman's, um, big department stores were doing online sales. So yeah, it was an interesting time. Definitely. Yeah, no, I
0: bet. No, I feel like even nowadays, like it just feels easier to start an online business because like there there's so many tools out there, but yeah. I feel like there's so much behind the scenes that people like, don't see until you started, until you started. Like, I just feel like like the taxes, the management, the fees, I feel like this business, like, I I never, like, I went to business school, but, like, I I feel like when you still, like, when you do it yourself, it's completely different story because – Absolutely. Yeah, like I feel like you have to keep the business afloat, and if you don't pay bills, and there are always bills to pay with business, like mm-hmm. I feel like there's always something, like something just
1: something. And you're like, wait, I have to pay taxes on my chair that I just bought. Wait a second, like I'm getting taxed on a chair. Wait, or like insurance, and I had lots of employees, so then I had to take care of the like insurance for you know, the staff and overhead and, and then one of my stores, so my stores were in Florida and one store was a block off the ocean. So I had to have higher insurance because of flood because Mm. hurricanes. So I thought, Oh, you're right. So there's like little things that you really, you don't know until you get into it. Exactly. Just like When you start a company, you start your business and you're selling your, your items. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> how much is going out the door every month so yeah you kind of learn as you go definitely
0: and i feel like also the biggest difference is like people are always so much focusing on the sales like you could be making a lot of sales but you always have to look down to see like am I really breaking even even or am I making any profit? Like, I feel like that's the biggest thing because like nowadays, like, especially because I spend so much time on TikTok, probably more than I should. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like people are always like showing like, oh, I had this many sales or like I had this much this month. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's very misleading because like you could be making a lot of sales or business could be doing well. But like if you're not managing it well.
1: 100%. I'm so glad you just said that. I'm so glad you said that because that is exactly it's like that, you know, the make believe behind like, oh, look at look at all my sales. It's great. But first of all, did you borrow money from anyone? Do you have any investors that you need to pay back? All the like is a wholesale and how much are your, you know, your cost of goods? So what, how, what are you making and how much is that piece of plastic or that piece of wood or whatever it is, all their components to what you make cost money and how much. Yeah. How much is your bottom line really making is is a uh, very different than what people sometimes show, especially online.
0: Exactly. And I think one thing, cool. at least I'm learning and please correct me, I'm wrong. I just feel like more you grow your business or like, I feel like first couple years, it almost feels like having a baby. It's like, you really have to <laughs> almost like hold their hand and like walk them through because it's yeah. not going to work without you. Like it doesn't yes. work by itself. Uh, but I feel like more and more you have to sort of detach yourself from like, personally attached to the business versus mm-hmm. just thinking as it's like own and something could happen or things could change. Um, yeah. I feel like that's like same word of saying, like killing your like darlings, because like it feels like that sometimes when things don't work out. Like I know with my case is like, it's been I think a business of like two years or something. And yeah. there's always issues that like it it would never would ha- happen when you first started. But I feel like yeah. when you're in the growing pain stage, like, there's so many things pops up and you always have to think about like yeah. what makes sense, not because yeah. like it's going to make you happy or you're so connected to it. Right.
1: I'm so glad you're bringing you're like hitting all these nails right on the head, my friend. <laughs> 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 you're so right Because we get so married to the idea of the thing that you're doing and you're making and you're like, this is it and this is the way it's going to be. And this is going to be successful and it's going to be great. But again, if you're not making the money and if you're not, doing the, the work around it that has to be done, sometimes you have to kill off the darlings or you have to say, you know, I love this, but it's not it's not making me money or it's costing me more money than I'm making. And is that really a business? And is that really profitable? Is that really worthy of your time? I mean, you can do a lot of work for nonprofits or do philanthropic work, but there's very difference between doing like volunteer work and like pretending to actually work when you're, your business is actually costing you more than you're making. And you have to really step. And it's hard to say, how attached you are. like You just said like how attached you are to that thing or the business. And you might have to step back and say, it's not working for you for for the betterment of your mental health, your financial health and all those things that are connected. You're thinking, Oh my God, it's, is it really all worth it?
0: Exactly. And I think this business, people are always immediately thinking about the money first, instead of thinking about how it is affecting their life or just their mental health overall, because I think maybe I'm just so used to it because I, ever since even I was a kid, like, I think maybe, I don't know, I was 10. I think I had the website and, like, oh it was somewhat make, I mean, maybe they were paying me in cents. Then I had a YouTube channel was paying something. And my parents were always like, oh, my God, he's ridiculous. Like, no, like, he needs to study something like computer science or something like that makes yeah. a lot of or, like more reasonable opportunity yeah. but i i feel like i was always into that market of like having mm-hmm. something on my own and make it work like that was mm-hmm. always in my agenda but i think more more you learn is that like how much that adds on to your plate mm-hmm. like yeah. i think you don't realize it because like i feel like that's why I also see it in so many people nowadays. Not like I know so much about it, but like I feel like when people first start, they get so excited. They're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like it's going to be great and everything. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to be cynical because <laughs> I want people no, to succeed. Thrilled. But yeah. I think also like, I think you really have to be very like careful and that's why i always ask people so many times like whenever i have an idea even when i design something i literally send it to like i don't know maybe 10 15 people that i know of i'm Mm -hmm. like i want to get everyone's opinion it could be stupid like tell me my face like that i want to know because yeah like it's not going to hurt your feelings because it's business you have to think about it like that right like what would you say Yeah, absolutely.
1: And also trust the right people who, because I remember when I started my first business, everyone Mm -hmm. told me it was the dumbest, dumbest idea they'd ever heard. No one will ever shop for beauty outside of a department store. Hope you don't quit your day job. Don't do this big mistake. I mean, every, everyone told me not to do a beauty bar, (laughs) but when you feel something so deeply in your gut that, you know, you know, you have to go forward. So I think it's always important to trust the right people who have either walked in your shoes before, who've started their own businesses, or. So make sure you surround yourself, and you're asking the right people the questions that you want. Because sometimes they'll say no or yes, and how would you? And they might help you say, okay, what do you need to achieve this? And they'll sit with you and say, what are the parameters to success for you? Like, what is like, what is success for you right now? Because some people say, oh, I want a new car, or I want to buy a house, and you think that's that's not that shouldn't be the answer to like why you start something. It should be like, cause you're passionate about something and you love something that you want to do it for a long time and not, I see a lot of people create, especially in beauty, create a beauty brand just to hopefully sell it or flip it in two to five years. And I think, I think that's the, the worst case scenario. Like why don't you want to grow it and make it part of your passion and, and do something cause you love it and you want to do it for the rest of your life. Uh, maybe cause I'm old school and I think that way that you want to do something for a long time. And not just flip it in two years, but you're right. Like Ask the right questions of the right people that you think will have walked in your shoes or walked in paths similar to yours um, that will give you the right answers that you
0: need. And that's why I feel like you can definitely tell when someone is talking about their business how passionate they are about the certain thing versus it's just like – they are there so they can sell it and I just feel like it's also like there's nothing wrong with that obviously because people yeah, are making but... shit ton of money like <laughs> yes. you know just selling it it's almost like flipping a house like you are building it then you're just selling it and someone else gets it especially because like nowadays it's like Sephora like they're literally buying a bunch of companies under their umbrella yes. but again they could also like dissolve very easily so like then you won't have a name for yourself it just really depends on like you know what you are focusing on but would you say like that even this like the if if it was still going like really well in terms of finances would you have still sold it the beauty bar that's a great question um
1: i don't know i am i had already had it for 12 years and Mm. things were changing and uh I was living in Florida at the time. I probably still would have had it, but I don't know for how much longer. And yeah. I, was probably, I was personally owned, so I, didn't, I was, didn't have any investors. So it was fully my own company. Um, if I wanted to grow it, things started getting more challenging. There were more, you know, blue mercuries were popping up and more ultas were starting. And uh, I don't know. I think it'd be very different. But I'm really glad things turned out the way they did because I'm in a very, very, very different place than I ever thought I would be. Uh, I was married at the time. I had a stepson. My life was really, really different yeah, yeah. <laughs> 12 years ago, and it's been exactly 12 years since I sold. Well, I'd say 11, 10, or 11 somewhere in between 10 and 12 years, I sold the business. So it's my life is very different than it was. But I think that's for everybody. Like Liz, like getting, you know, 12 years down the line, your life is very different. Um, but it's a really good question. I don't know if I'd still have it or not, or I'd want to keep it much longer. Things were definitely changing. And my and I think we all ebb and flow and we want different things for ourselves. And I think I was in that heart space where I was maybe wanting to do more.
0: Yeah, okay. and I feel like it's maybe also like, it's like a next step in your life or career. Because yeah. I think also when you think about it, more you want to grow your business, more partner you need to have. Even yes. if you're a millionaire, you still need to have. Because like when... When you think about it, especially in business, it's not sometimes so much about the money. It's about the connections you have so they can help you do it, especially when it comes to distribution. 100%. I mean, yeah, like for distribution, they are always asking like for so much stock. Obviously, you Mm -hmm. need to have cash for that, but not just that, but like even if they wanted to carry it, like you need to have someone. Like it's not going to be like they want to, even if they love your product, they might not even want to carry it. I feel like it's more comes to who you know. Yeah,
1: Mm, yeah, exactly. and that takes time to then understand the market well enough to say, that hey, I'm going to sell my product on your shelf next to XYZ brand because I'm not going to cannibalize your business, but I'm going to help it grow. And I can be an add-on. You always want to make sure you're not going to cannibalize someone else's business and what makes you unique on their store shelves or online platforms. So you have to kind of know exactly where you want to sell. And it is that relationship, like you just said. It's So it's networking. And it's that in itself takes years sometimes, like years to get to know the department stores or platforms or, you know, shopping channels, any shopping channel online, whether it be Talk Shop Live now or HSN or whatever it might be, there's a lot that goes into those relationship building moments that can take years.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And I feel like even nowadays, is like even if you have connections, you still need to make sure that like your product is somewhat unique or like it makes sense to the target audience that you're thinking of. Like there's so many like checkboxes that you have to think about.
1: Yeah. And things people don't think about that. There's like, you have to be unique hundred percent. And you have to have a reason for being, I think that's a key part too. People are just creating stuff. I'm like, what's your key differentiator between this lip gloss and that lip gloss. And I think I've always felt that brands that have a great founder story, I've always, when I had Beauty Bar, I always said I never sold a thing in my, in my life. Never sold anything, but I told stories. So I would always say, oh, well, this difference between this lavender face cream and this lavender face cream is, you know, this one was created on this farm and it blah, blah, X, Y, Z. And this one was created by this founder, blah, blah, blah. So I think everyone has to have a story and why these items are created is the reason i will be like, oh, I feel connected to it. I feel connected to you because of what you created or they connected to him or her or whatever. Um, because of your why. And I think that's that really helps you navigate um, through the waters for sure,
0: yeah. and I, I feel like especially nowadays, like with uh, like newer generation and everything, I just think even I mean, I was always like drawn more into the story and the mm-hmm. feel behind the brand when I'm making any sort of purchase. Uh, but I know like when it comes to certain things, people always like, this is the function of the product and I'm just gonna buy it because it's just, I'm buying it for the pure function. Sure. Yeah, but there are some products, especially when it comes to fashion or even this beauty, is like uh, there's so many things I, I pay attention a lot, like the aesthetics and how it looks and everything, also the ingredient for sure but yeah. I, I think especially with fashion i feel like when there is so much story from the designer uh, that they tell like uh virgil abloh he recently passed away that mm-hmm. was one of my favorite designers and like mm-hmm. uh i never i was never really a fan of louis ton like i mean it's a great brand but i never yeah. knew it until he came along then like and he yeah. really he really made that brand like what it was and then off white and everything i feel like he really yeah. made that i don't know like story that you i did you're a great
1: storyteller Right, <laughs> yeah, yes. he was so charismatic, and you kind of were drawn to him because of like he was so passionate about it. So you're so right, yeah. And I yeah. feel like
0: it's just like also because this designer, a lot of people are thinking it's all about like tacky stuff, like or just says Gucci, Dolce, Cabana, like, and you buy it because you want to show off. But he changed it up with just like saying simple yeah. things on a designer and charging so much money. But it wasn't about the money; it was about the design. That how simple it is, yeah. ironic it is. And that's yeah. why I feel like people would want to buy it, especially so much younger demographic yeah. versus like there are people who are buying most Louis Vuitton. They're like older than mm-hmm. like because they can't afford that much money to you know yeah. buy it. So um, that's why I completely agree with you. I feel like when I hear the story or something behind it, that yeah. resonates with me, and obviously I would want to support that brand. Versus, yeah,
1: I think that will always be too. Like I think that's especially for fashion and especially for beauty not so much for home goods, I don't think, but I think like beauty and fashion really had this great ebb and flow of storytelling and people are so drawn to the the designers and their passion for their creations and they're so beautiful, like so beautiful in their simplicity or their maybe insane, you know, whatever it might be. I think they're just, their their passion for what they do is like draws you in. And if people are, no matter your age, young and old, the like are like, oh, I love this because you're drawn to it for whatever reason it is aesthetically pleasing or something else but yeah like i
0: feel like also some of them are just so aspirational like you would want to try it i I feel like that's why it's just changing so much in the like industry nowadays Is like it's Mm -hmm. not becoming so much about the oh my god how like ridiculous the price is it's more about like how simple it is and how you cannot even tell it's a designer but it is a
1: designer Okay, you're going to laugh because there are some days I just love walking down Madison because I live pretty close to Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. I'm on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And so in the mornings when I go for a walk, I kind of come back down Madison Avenue just to see what's like new in yeah. the window. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I just spent so much money with my eyes right now. Like, oh, I, could look so- I would look so good in that or I'd feel so good in this. And so I can like, oh, I just spent so much money with my eyes before 9 a.m. That felt really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I love window shopping.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. And especially when there's no one else on the street it's kind of fun like oh god that looks like that's gonna feel nice whatever so uh yeah i always say i can spend a lot of money with my eyes
0: no that's <laughs> why i feel like I, people don't realize like branding is everything it's not just about the yeah the price tag you're putting on but like you you can justify the price tag not always the quality but the way the psychology behind it and that's why people buy it
1: a million percent. That's why people are so intrigued with brands and and brand building and how do you tell the story and how do you connect people to what you're selling and, and the why you're selling it and how it's visually you know positioned. I kind of love because I've been a retailer my whole life. I still love retail and I always always love retail. I love to see how people sell. So even when I walk by some stores and I see boxes in the middle of the store at night, I just kind of cringe. I'm like, oh. I- can't even I still have these like visceral reactions when I see things I would never have in my own stores yeah
0: Um, how would you say like you would do like you you did the branding for beauty bar and like for any future business that you're thinking of like you always like maybe you have a checklist or something that you go through uh before you do it
1: I think it all depends on what it is Mm -hmm. what the product is because I feel like I've created I have created a beauty bar. I created a brand um, of, of collegiate beauty products. Yes. So I, I still have some over here on my on my shelf of mm-hmm. things I've created in the past. So it was very much in line with. It was Bath and Body Care for like University of Florida, FSU, and it's very looks like the like I had to do all the colors and the packaging was, it was, it was really fun to do because I had a great um, team that were designers to help me create the packaging for yeah. each school it was so different. It had to be the right colors. Pantone of that school. And, um, it was fun, but it took almost two years to develop and create. Um, it was called pride and glory. That mm. was great. But I think everything's different Then I had. Um, I have this crystal company with a friend of mine, a state of energy crystals. So, um, but since the pandemic, it was hard to get the crystals. And so my partner in the crystal company moved to Pennsylvania. So I think everything's different depending on what it is and how you market it and you know, what, gets you excited and what gets people excited and there's just storytelling depending on what it is you're selling yeah
0: and, creating. Mm. and also you mentioned like working with a team how would you say like especially with your business obviously but also with other like if you're doing consulting and everything how was it that different like uh working as a team i know it's just so hard especially with like with your own business when you when it comes to delegating the tasks yeah. versus like if it is another business that you are just helping out
1: yeah, that's interesting because you'll understand having a team is, I, I loved having a team. Like I had a huge team and then I had a small team and I think it's so important because you get to brainstorm together and delegating and who does what really well and have people around you that are really, really good at what they do, like purchase ordering so that the way they have the orders getting out, like things are, are great. And it's so different than being a part of someone else's team, like consulting. And I worked for a beauty brand over in Amsterdam for a year and they had stores around the world Um, so that was really an interesting, collaborative, exciting project to be a part of. And it was huge. It was a big, big project for me and I was scary and daunting, but again, I'm, I'm listening to what their needs are and I'm a consultant coming out. So I want, you know, they hired me to do a really good job Yeah, and they pay you a lot of money to do the really good job. And sometimes you have to tell them things that they didn't want to hear, which was hard. Um, but they hired you for a reason. And so you have to kind of say, well, you hired me because I know what i'm doing in this certain area so let me do that work and i know it's going to work out and uh, it's hard it's um consulting is hard and it's also about expectations right so when you consult for another brand sometimes expectations are different so you have to make sure there's a checklist and of um, you know milestones to hit whether it be weekly monthly quarterly uh, that you have to kind of get through
0: today's episode is brought to you by better help you guys know i'm a big advocate for therapy I go to therapy and it literally has done wonders for me. For the longest time, I have been keeping things inside and I haven't been talking to anyone. Uh, Trust me, it's not a healthy thing. Uh, When you don't have a safe place or a person to talk to without feeling like someone is judging you and or holding things. And I don't know, I just feel like you need someone who you can just talk to without feeling any of those feelings. And BetterHelp is just for that. It's a professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message to your counselor anytime. You will be matched with your counselor within 48 hours. You get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can also schedule weekly video or phone session. All without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. I know that. Trust me. (laughs) I've been there too. So... BetterHelp is committed to facilitate great therapeutic patches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% of your first months by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash listener. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash listener.
1: It's definitely different going from internal teams to working or consulting.
0: Firm. What advice would you give to someone, novice maybe consulting, but with their own business when they are trying to delegate the task or like have to hire out? like what are something that they can look for or like, or when do you know you need the help to?
1: That's a, you're so good. You got some good, good questions, my friend. Um, <laughs> you're a good business person. You can like tell. I, I know you've been doing this for a long time because I've followed you I've been following for so long and I, I know you get it and you get the ins and outs are not easy. Um, I think delegating is one of the hardest things for people to do. So when I speak to lots of different teams, I think that the one thing that I always get over and over again is I have a hard time delegating. And I get that because sometimes you're so in your funnel of what you're doing that it's either hard to take the time to educate people on dele- like delegate, what you need to do here, do this, do this, do that. Um, but I think that's the most important thing is delegating properly to the right people. And I think you, you know it when you're like, you're taking all the work on, even though you've hired people to help you, <laughs> unless you tell them how to do it and what to do, um, they're not gonna do the job that you hired them to do. And I think that everyone that you hire on needs to have that purpose. They need to know exactly what their job is. So um, if you hire people, because I've seen it done, I've done it myself when I first started, I was like, I need to hire you for this job. Yet I was still doing the work because I was almost feeling bad that they were doing it, even though I was paying them the paycheck (laughs) to do the job. (laughs) So I think it's important to give everyone what their job is, but um, you know, people, people will follow your lead. If you are a kind leader, a generous leader. I don't mean generous in terms of financial, but like you wouldn't ask them to do a job that you wouldn't do yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's all about co- collaboration for sure.
0: No, that that is for sure. And I feel like also like when it comes to um, hiring too, you always have to think about like. Don't just hire right away. It's like because you Mm -hmm. might be also wasting that money or the budget that you allocated for it because you really have to be careful because it's also process. That's why, like, I feel like it's a process to even put the job description to make sure the person knows what they're going to do not just like hire them out because you need the help. Then you're going to look around to see
1: Yeah, because the people around you, I think that's the key, right? Is you're going to spend a lot of time with these people. So you're going to have to hire. Sometimes I say hire slowly, but fire quickly. So take the time to know that you really, really need this job um, taken care of because you can't do it any longer or whatever this might, the reason might be, but uh, really make sure you hire the right person because you're going to be spending, well, if we ever go back to an office, I don't know, but you, <laughs> uh, you're going to be spending a lot of time either on Zooms or phone calls or whatever, maybe in, in person or not uh, with these people. And these are going to you know, be, they say people are, you know, your office people, are not your family, but you are spending a lot more time with these people than you would anyone else. Um, and you have to make sure you can not only get along, but understand each other's ebb and flow of like how can you work together synergistically to make this the business successful and that's that's often hard to find just the right people to help you be that balance or that person be your balance to make sure you you're the right expectations of the job and for the business like this is what I want to do in the next five years I hope to scale to this size and I, I want you to be that person to help me get there
0: exactly and that's why like it's sometimes like hard with startups or with new businesses because yeah. you're wearing so many hats Mm, like you're yeah, used to wearing so many hats and sometimes I feel like you almost like do the same with the person you are hiring yes. like you tell them it's the like one job description but then somehow <laughs> it turns into another job
1: true that's so true yeah and I think too when I when I had a lot when I had a big team of people their first job was to sell. Like they were on the sales floor, but I always, I used to always ask, what else do you love to do? Like what, what's your hobby? So I had some girls that were loved graphic art. They loved photography. So I'm like, okay, good. I want you to not only sell, but I want you to do what you love. So would you be our like our photographer for the business or would you be our graphic designer for the business and be able to you know compensate them accordingly as well? But yeah, I think it's important that you hire for the right job, but those jobs might also entail be like, okay, I need you to do more things once you once you begin to grow.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. How would you say like you manage when there's like a like a conflict not with the um, I guess like the with people you're working with, but generally with business? Like, how do you try to I guess like I don't know, stay calm <laughs> while also trying to keep the businesses afloat.
1: Ooh. I've had lots of <laughs> <whole> <laughs> Any of advice, company,
0: tips?
1: Privately, like some big things that happen that are like, how do you then um, because it's, it's very easy when people attack your business or when things happen in business and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, your life force. Like this is what you created for not only yourself to provide for yourself, but now you've got teams to provide for and you're kind of you're in this place where you're in charge of everyone's like the roof over the head and you, it's a lot of pressure. I think um, it's important to get to the you know, if there's a conflict to address it right away, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing because I have done it in my past and I've seen other people do it saying this is an issue, but they skirt it and it will, skirting something under the table or under the rug will continue to grow until you address it. So I think addressing the issue in a very, very calm manner, um, because in business, things can get really heated. And I, I've always tried to be um, as level-headed as possible, being as kind as possible, but also be stern. Because I always say, don't ever mess with my business. Like don't ever, don't mess with my family. Don't mess with my business because this is like who you, what you love to do, and it's your passion. So I just think addressing the issue right away is the most important thing. But do it in, a, do it in a kind way. Do it in a calm way. Maybe they weren't kind or calm with their reason for whatever the the friction might be. But if you come at it with kindness or um generosity or some uh, different angle than anger i think that's you know the reason like why did this why did this happen or what do you think was the root cause of this and really getting to the root of something why uh there is conflict and then kind of trying to find a way to dissolve it so it doesn't get into something much much bigger
0: yeah Another thing I would ask, I feel like because now it's so much harder is because I feel like before everything was more like retail stores, just like people go. But nowadays, almost so many stores now just focusing on online sales. Mm -hmm. But the hard part is like nowadays, first of all, everyone can copy your business because, you know, they can just go. But also like nowadays, even they can find your information and customer data because everything is connected to Pixel, like Facebook Pixel, Google Pixel data if you're good at it you can definitely you know get a data out of it but other difficult part is like if you can be like a unique business like let's just say you Mm -hmm. have i don't know unique product or whatever then there's a big corporation looks at it instead of even offering you to buy anything they can do something very similar just like that because they own this entire supply chain and the product that takes amount for you to create maybe it takes three months because or four months getting a sample or anything for them it will maybe take (laughs) one month to yeah. just create, yeah, and that's just very sad. I mean, honestly, because you work hard for to create something so unique, but this, then someone else comes along to create it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like anything that you would say is like, I mean, it's very hard, honestly, to like fight against it because it's a big corporation. Obviously, they can mm-hmm. definitely, I don't know. That's why I, I feel like sometimes even I agree with like it's better that you even sold it earlier because it's yeah. very hard to compete with bigger corporation because obviously they have lawyers, they have so much money that they can do things at that very higher capacity versus exactly. as a small business.
1: Yeah. Small business is hard. It's really, it's really, really hard these days. So and like you just said, like, how do you be that differentiator and have something really, really unique to the market? And then someone else has not copy and sell it or whatever. So I think it's important that you always like, you timestamp exactly what you create when you create it, have everything, you know, I always, I had lots of lawyers around and trying to help me grow my business and even trademarking you know the names and you know slogans and all that kind of stuff because there are many times people try to steal my names from me for different things and I said oh no I trademarked it this time Mm but a specific product is really hard it is you have to kind of really and and then to kind of go against them and and say because I've seen it happen on social media come people come out and say look so and so just stole literally stole my you know my my dress or like they copied my my jacket I just made and it's big guy against a little guy like David and Goliath. So, um, and again, they have all the lawyers. So I think it's, you have to create what you want to create because out of passion, but you have to be aware that it could happen. And, um and what are you going to do if it does happen? And you kind of have to think about those things ahead of time, which kind of is hard to do. Um But I always think if you create something really, really unique and really interesting, uh, how do you protect it? exactly better talk to lawyers for sure
0: yeah and that's why i feel like sometimes i think about like don't just think about the function of the product and the quality because Mm -hmm. everyone can replicate that technically if they find out or just buy it from you you won't even know who's buying it so yeah Yeah. Uh, but it's very hard to replicate the psychology or the atmosphere or whatever you're creating for your store that's the i feel like difficult part
1: Absolutely. I was um I think that's a I love, I love looking at stores. I love seeing like how people create and why they create and what what do you feel when you walk into the environment? And it's really interesting to see that the feeling and like why are big boxes kind of maybe going away. Um, because it doesn't there's no feeling there and people want to have an experience in a store. They want to feel something, they want to do something in the store rather than just shop or they want to hear certain sounds or they want to feel connected to the place and space and the products you're selling there. So I've, I've always felt very uh, connected to certain stores and like, okay, now I feel, I can feel this space. And it's, the music's great. The vibe is great. Um, so how do people, can people replicate that? Yes and no. And it's, all, it's really interesting. It's, and like you just said, the psychology, of like why people go into a shop or you walk by a store in New York City, that store is empty, but the store right next to it's packed. So why?
0: Exactly yeah. like you I mean there's like big two giant retailers like like Sephora and Alta. You immediately mm-hmm. know the exact difference, not even just seeing it, this is Sephora or Alta. when you walk in, you you, yeah. you know it's Alta or you know it's Sephora. like exactly. it's very, very easy to tell, especially the way even they're putting up the products and everything. I mean they're mm-hmm. both very big retailers, but like yeah. still like you know the difference like you know yeah. how the, the feeling and it is.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then even like boutique stores, I love going into smaller, smaller chain stores, even when you say small chains, but just like smaller local yes. mm-hmm. um, stores. I just love. And plus, you kind of get to know the people if you shop there long enough, because there are some places I like to shop in Florida that I go visit or upstate New York or different parts of the country that I love going to the local store owners and just saying, Hi, I'm back. What do you have that I need to buy? What's new? I haven't been here in six months, or now pandemic time. It's been two years, so I haven't been here. Know. I'm glad you guys are still alive and around. Oh, it's so so wild.
0: Exactly. So speaking of these, like I want us to mention, like, what would you? What are you thinking about the beauty industry at the moment? I know so much has obviously changed, and you have yeah. probably uh, like seen everything from the start. So, what would you say, like? you are seeing the trends or differences or the way it's going? Like wh- it's what are some of your thoughts? Right?
1: Um, I'm seeing a lot of course, um, de- the direct to consumer is really so, so mm-hmm. big right now, but even though people are going back to retail and want to do retail. So I see a lot of direct to consumer brands that are coming out that they want to have a footprint online. But I think in the next six months, two year after they do that, they're going to also have a footprint, um, a brick and mortar location um, because I think, you need to have that as part of the story is at least one location in person and the rest can be online. So I'm seeing a lot of stories around how people are going to grow their brick and mortar um, you know, in the next two to four years. I'm a part of a retailer group from a lot of old, say old executive, but old people or people, I should say that um, were CEOs of big brands. So we all get together once a month and talk about the state of retail. And it's interesting to see that people are doing a lot online, but they're definitely going back into um, retail in the next next year or two. But of course, there's so many beauty brands right now that are launching every single day. It's hard to keep up with who they are and why they are and what they're doing and what's their difference. And I'm like probably like, but my apartment's full of beauty products. <laughs> I've, got, I've got products all around me that have been sent to me this week alone of try this out. So that's been crazy because I've been doing that for 25 years of, hey, try this out. And uh, there's some products I just love. And of course, and, and that has a lot to do with age ranges too. Like what I used when I was 25 is very different than what I'm using today. And, uh, so age ranges and the colors and why, and but I think it's going to be interesting too, how we're going to sell products in the metaverse. I'm still kind of trying to figure, um, beauty in the metaverse out so that's gonna be fascinating yeah
0: i i I think so too i think it's gonna be i mean it sounds really cool but i'm curious to see how that will be
1: yeah i'm with you i'd rather in person than metaverse if you ask me but uh that's just that's just me
0: yeah i feel like i mean there are certain products obviously you don't need the retail for because it's so obvious that like you don't have to try but i feel like when it comes to something like beauty fashion it's almost imperative to have it because you have to feel it or you have to touch it because this beauty, especially, like, you can make the product look so good with packaging. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you touch the texture or you put it on your skin, you know it's bad or not. Like, yes. you know.
1: 100%. Oh, my gosh. The smell or the tackiness. I might not be malleable. Well, like, this sunscreen,
0: but- like, I am so pet peeve when it comes to sunscreen. It's like, I love mineral sunscreen because it's good for the reef. Like, it's, it doesn't, yeah. you know. But there are so many sunscreens. It's like, so sticky. And, like, it gives a white cast.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: like the thing is, I want to support, but I feel like there's always like cause and everything, but you can immediately tell when it's a bad sunscreen or <laughs> yes. it, hence you have to try it in the retail. To...
1: Absolutely. And like then certain, like certain creams I use late at night cause they're so very emollient on my skin. So I had to be like, okay, let me just lay back and let it dry before I like put my head on my pillow. Um, so yeah, you had to kind of know that that's that tactileness, like you said of a product. And I think that's, Yeah, you can see people like show it, you know, in their videos or on their own skin. But again, everyone's skin is so different Um, and where we are in life is so different. So what are you what are you willing to how much time do you want to take to put your skincare routine together or makeup? And of course, that's changed for a lot of us now. And how much time do you want to spend and how much money do you want to spend on your makeup and skincare? It's it's really it's interesting to see how things are ebbing and flowing. Yeah, for sure.
0: sure. So speaking of that, uh, you have such a great skin. So please tell us your skincare routine or, you know, anything that...
1: Hold on, let me put my glasses on. Are you sure about that? (laughs) (laughs) It must be the camera or the lighting.
0: (laughs) No, you do. You seriously do.
1: I try everything out, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I love... One of my favorite brands is Indie Lee. I love Indie Lee's products, her um, Her vitamin C. Um, my dear friend Ron Robinson has this vitamin C treatment that I love too. That I have seen with that with one. Me. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. and uh, Ron has been a really long time friend of mine. So when he came out with this, I remember him talking about it for like two, three years before he did. It, and I'm like, really, you're going to do this? Okay, in a very crowded market, and he did it, and he's been doing so well. And again, like he's the the founder voice, and he's a you know a man talking about vitamin C, and I love I love that he has you know put his stake in the ground of like why he created it. He's a chemist first. And he saw there was a need in the market. And I love that he is um, not 25. Like he's in his 50s and he's a man of color. And he's like, I'm doing this. And he has a lot to say. And I think that's so cool. And I'm so happy for him.
0: And he's being carried uh, at like retailers, like very big retailers.
1: Yeah. So. Big retailers, a lot of stuff online. Uh, a lot of influencers love his stuff. I mean, we, well, I used to be on Clubhouse with them all the time last year when we were all doing Clubhouse every day. So it was kind of fun. We'd be on stage together. So that was an interesting time when everyone was on Clubhouse too. But um, do a lot of Indie Lee. I'm trying lots of new products right now because it is you know 15 degrees in New York City, and my skin's really dry, and I'm always outside, so I have to make sure my skin's protected from the elements. So uh, I I love Philosophy products. I love Fresh, some of the old school ones, and I, I really do love Indie Lee. Um, her products have been great for my skin.
0: No, for sure. And I feel like especially in the winter is like worst thing is like your lips. Everything just gets so dry. I mean, I already have a dry skin, so it's worse for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Dr- um, Jones Road. I use a Jones Road, Jones Road, which is Bobby Brown's new brand. Um, She's called Hippie Stick. And it's like an emollient balm in and in a really wide stick. And I've had it for like six months already. And it's huge. And I put it on my lips and you can put it on your knuckles anywhere. And it's just like a really delicious smelling balm. And i I, don't even, I can't believe I don't have it next to me on my desk. I usually probably have it in my, my bedroom. Yeah, I, I think I, I have one actually from
0: C.O. Bigelow right now. It's a lip balm.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, I love the C.O. Bigelow lip balm. Their their products are great too. They're they're an incredible brand. I've been over, what, 160 years? Yeah, I'm
0: so on. like – I just feel like it's so hard to keep the brand alive for so long or yeah. stay at least – like. I don't know, relevant, like it's yeah. very hard, but like yeah. their product really works. Like it, it's really good.
1: Yeah. And their store and I love it's, you know, it's a family owned business and they've been around for so long. And, and Ian is the, the president and he's just a really nice guy. And he's been the be, and he's so well respected in the beauty industry because he's so nice. He's really humble. He's very kind and they make great, great products. And they sell, you know, they've been right here in the West village for all these years. It's really kind of cool to see. That they're still they're still here and like you said they're still relevant like yeah. really relevant
0: and I think yeah. I hundred percent agree with you because I think he also even liked my TikToks which I was not expecting oh <laughs> so I was like okay, no. it's amazing <laughs> so that's what I'm saying I feel like it's really like it matters so much how the, how you treat them or how people yes. treat you like
1: yeah. it
0: really means a lot especially in the like business industry I think it's so, like you should like have some sort of respect towards people. So like they can also respect you too. Hence that effect.
1: Yeah. And lead with kindness, right? You're doing it. Like you're so sweet and you're so kind. Everything you do, I love. Cause you're just nice. And you know, people want to be around nice people that are just putting positivity out in the world and just sharing what they love to do. And I, that is what I love to see like on TikTok. Or I love to see that on Instagram, people doing what they love to do. There's one woman, and she's an influencer and a beauty expert, and she's always sharing her ice skating. And I always say, keep sharing your talent. Please keep sharing your talent because it's beautiful, right? It's something that she loves in school.
0: Exactly. And speaking of that, I think that's why, like, your series, Always in the Nature, like, Walk was Wash, like, it makes me always so happy because, like, I think – like I was never like because I have always been in the urban areas and I was so used mm-hmm. to just like seeing skyscrapers, buildings, another building. And
1: really? that's
0: why I feel like I never had the experience with nature, but ever since like I got my license, like then I was driving around and like seeing the like mountains or like driving to the west coast and everything. That made me fall in love with nature so much because there's I mean, like views are so spectacular. You sometimes yeah. will just want to stare and like watch like
1: you awe. you're in awe yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's so
0: cool and that's why i feel like it also brings you that i don't know like when you have like a really crazy day it brings that like i don't know some sort of like calmness and like quietness that brings into your mind it's like therapy it really know,
1: it's, it's real science i'm actually talking to you. i have my fake fireplace on right now on my youtube channel just because the the sight of it and the crackling sounds really kind of calm your mind It's uh, it's all scientifically proven like what you're just saying like you feel good and it's You know, studying it and understanding the I've been spending so much time talking about the brain and studying the brain with some really interesting neuroscientists and doctors of like, what is nature doing to our brains? It's been fascinating to learn because it's not just like our ingredients and our beauty products. So like going from beauty and understanding what nature's doing in our ingredients and our products, but also like, how do we harvest them? Where are they coming from? And then understanding like walking through Central Park, I'm like, wow like so many of the ingredients I'm using in my beauty products are right here are, gr- are like growing in Central Park. How is that even how is that possible? I didn't even know. I didn't even realize like ginkgo and witch hazel and sassafras and all these like really interesting things you see in our products are right in front of our faces. Most of the time we don't even realize it.
0: Yes, exactly. And I feel like that's why like there's this hour out that like the nature brings to you. It's like it almost makes you feel like belong like somewhere else that like you were never part of before so it i don't know it just feels really different at least from my perspective because i'm not used to i'm always in the you know downtown area so it feels yeah. great to get out sometimes not just see buildings
1: no it's so true and our bodies actually crave it so spending the past six years studying our bodies and also going through something called nature deficit disorder which um it was coined by a friend of mine who wrote this book called last child in the woods back in like 2005. Mm-hmm. But because we, cause I, you know, I'm from the Bronx. I grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in the city and spent time out in Westchester before I moved to Florida. But most of my childhood was living in cities. Um, but I would go to the botanical gardens in the Bronx zoo as a kid in central park. But still, like our disconnection from the natural world of being outdoors is like really making us the most unwell. Like we're completely isolating ourselves from things that are making us actually healthy. And it's been so interesting to really study this and learn like it's a real connection. Um, So the more we separate ourselves, the worse off we are physically, mentally, uh, and our bodies, our immune systems are completely shot if we're not actually in the natural world. So it's I'm like, Oh, I get it. So no, there are days like probably like you, you're sitting in your apartment all day. I'm like, Oh, I need to get outside.
0: Yeah, you feel like you're suffocating. <laughs>
1: yes, Totally. And I've done it many times. Like, I'd be like, Oh, my God, I've been on my computer, like for the past day and a half. And I haven't left my apartment building, like I haven't left my like my little tiny apartment. Um, so it's kind of surreal when you're like, I need to just get my body moving in fresh air and feel the breeze on my face. And it's all very intuitive. We already kind of know that it feels good. It's just a matter of like saying and giving ourselves permission to go outside. So I think the pandemic was that big, amazing, like silver lining. Oops, sorry. On that silver lining that kind of says, Oh yeah, we need it. We really, really need it. And it's important.
0: For sure. And I feel like also, like nowadays, even companies are taking a lesson for this. It's like airports and everything. They make like specific sections and areas that's like really looks like you're in the wild or the forest. Like it looks, I mean, first it looks great, but also it feels good. Like just you feel like you're outside, but you're not really outside. It's good.
1: yeah it's um that's actually biophilic design so you're seeing a lot more of that in the airports because they now are showing the studies of biophilia and biophilic design Mm -hmm. is bringing nature elements indoors so me having this fake fire on is seeing a fire which is innately intuitive to me it makes me feel good i have wood walls in here so things that are natural elements brought indoors is called biophilic design and so you're gonna see a lot more in hospitals um hotels restaurants here you see a lot of it in new york city Mm -hmm. like just even flowers and plants um, make us better. They actually make us more well, and they also help with our mental health. Um, there's just been a study, like a massive case study from the 1980s, where in a hospital, they two the people that were like side by side in different rooms. One facing beautiful, like you know, greenery outdoors. Someone else is facing a brick wall. Same surgeries, um, just different views. The person that viewed nature needed less um, medication and he, and got out s- sooner than the person that was facing the brick wall. You needed more medication and was there actually longer. Um, it's really fascinating. It's really, really interesting. So yeah, you're going to see a lot more biophilic design and especially in stores as well.
0: Yes, that's for sure. You mentioned mental health. Uh, I know y- your walk was washed. I'm sure that like, you know, contributes a lot. And you also have a book So you just launched that recently. Uh, So what else would you say like that kind of helps with your mental health and some things that you can recommend to people?
1: Um, I think it's just giving ourselves the permission to, and again, I think a lot of it is. um, We've been so isolated the past years, I think really getting outdoors and understanding our connection to to the natural world. And I think what, for me, what I've learned is, um, because I've been in beauty for so long, but I never really realized the impact that nature was having on me in terms of the ingredients I was using in my beauty products, um, the food I was eating, and the spaces and places that I felt most in tune with. So when I created Beauty Bar, you're going to laugh. So experts would come down from New York and see my store and say, you know, you're doing this all wrong. You're putting a wow. focus on like the actual exterior walls and you should be focusing on the products. And because I had, I had wood walls and I had big plants and I had certain music I was playing and wood, everything. Anyway, so they told me it was all wrong, but now I know it was actually biophilic design. So now I I can say, oh, yeah, I was actually doing that for the betterment of people's health. So I think as long as people understand, like, the health benefits of being outdoors, you you want to get outside more um, for your better health. Just to, like, go for a walk or a bike ride or spend time, like, go for coffee with someone. So I love that people now when they, when they want to get together, they know like, hey, let's go grab a coffee and go for a walk. So, yes, I feel like that yeah. makes
0: a huge difference. Even if it's just like for a short amount of time, it really just helps you clear your head.
1: Yeah, it really, really does. So I think our reconnection to nature also, like when we do these things, then we're better understanding and equipped to understand like what sustainability means for the clothes and and regenerative and like all these different practices that we kind of need to know to help save save ourselves and save the planet, really.
0: That is for sure. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was such an insightful conversation.
1: I so appreciate you. And thank you for I really feel honored that you asked me to do this with you. Because I just I'm I'm such a fan of what you do and your work. So I I always love what you share. You're just kind of a bright light in this world. And we all need we need more
0: of you. (laughs) Thank you. Hopefully we will get to meet (laughs) you. In person. I know,
1: I know. 2022 will
0: do. I know. I I hope like there's gonna be, I was always hoping that like some events, like they can check vaccination and everything. But like, I feel like it's getting more and more complicated in New York. So hopefully that will happen so we can (laughs) can see each other.